You're listening to the Silicon Valley Podcast. On today's show, we sit down with Lisa Mendoza, who lives for helping people. She founded the Mentoring Club to provide a mentoring community for aspiring as well as seasoned leaders in the workforce. By establishing a global platform, the Mentoring Club has the bold intent of changing the world one leader at a time by providing a mentor for anyone who needs a mentor anywhere in the world. The community has mentors and mentees from the United States, Canada, Mexico, Brazil, United Kingdom, Ireland, Denmark, Poland, Czech Republic, Ukraine, Zimbabwe, India, Saudi Arabia, China, Japan, Taiwan, Vietnam, Philippines, Indonesia, and more. On today's show, we talk about what skills are most entrepreneurs lacking or asking for help with? Do any mentors or mentees suffer from imposter syndrome? How real is that? What advice do you have for new graduates to get experience to find a job? And how do you know when something is scalable? This and much more on today's episode of the Silicon Valley Podcast. Now let's begin the show. Enjoy. Welcome to the Silicon Valley Podcast with your host, Sean Flynn, who interviews famous entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, and leaders in tech. Learn their secrets and see tomorrow's world today. Thank you for taking the time today to be on the Silicon Valley podcast. Now, I'm super excited for you to be here. I've known you for years now. In fact, I'm going to do a shameless plug. I'm actually one of the mentors in your organization. And I know the, the interview is about you, but we might have to share a story or two later on, just, just maybe. But for our audience out there and for everyone listening on the podcast, we are recording this live at Sapiens in Menlo Park. So if you're interested, please contact us for information on future events. But for right now, Liesl, can you tell our audience a little bit about your background and your career up until this point? Sure, Sean. And thank you so much for having me here. I really appreciate that you thought about me and the impact that we're trying to do in the mentoring club. Let me not just focus about my career. Let me tell you more deeply about who I am and why am I doing what I'm doing so that you could understand what led me to where I am now. I, I see myself as someone who's constantly striving to become a good human being. By profession, I am an information technologist. I see myself as well as a creative problem solver. In that aspect, I have had experience as an employee and I see myself as a caring employee. And I became an entrepreneur by accident because I became a part owner. I was recognized for my contributions to a company and they made me part owners. I would say I've had the experience of becoming a responsible entrepreneur as well. And then now I'm venturing into philanthropy. I started the mentoring club with the goal of connecting mentors and mentees all over the world, leveraging my experience in information technology of over 30 years. And why did I do that? So it's really passion and empathy. I felt that I really enjoyed developing people ever since I became a manager at 24 years old. While I was doing networking in the Valley, in Q&A sessions, I heard millennials asking the question, how do I find a mentor? Is my manager my mentor? How do I even ask somebody to become my mentor? And so it's like that empathy of, 
oh, I didn't have to go through that in my career. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I chased what I wanted and I achieved them. I hear this clamor from the younger professionals asking how do they ask help to navigate their careers. And that was actually what led me to say, okay, this is going to be my give back. I wanted to do give back because at that time, I really felt that I'm happy, I'm successful, and that's where we are now. Okay, so Lisa, with that, I mean, there's a lot of things to dive a little bit deeper in. First off, let's just start with, you know, entrepreneurs and that when they start a business, they want to do some research. They want to see what's out there. They want to see if there's a product market for what they want to work on. What type of research were you doing before starting the mentoring club? Because in my mind, there's so many other mentoring opportunities out there. What was the niche? What was the void? What type of research were you doing and what did you discover? Yes, I did take a look at what are the mentoring organizations that are out there. And the most of the organizations that I found were focused on youth mentoring, on uh, special groups. There are also organizations where professional mentoring is paid either by the hour or a session. And I didn't find anything that closely aligns with my vision. And my vision is really to create a community globally where mentors and mentees can connect. Depending on the goals of the mentees, then we would find the right mentors for them wherever they are in the world, pretty much. So I didn't find that global community of mentoring during my research. And that's what I really wanted to do. Okay. And just for our audience out there, this mentoring group that you had, because it wasn't explained at the very beginning, how big of a scale is it? How big is it right now? I would say we're still small, but we do have presence in six continents and 22 countries right now. Uh, somebody from Singapore actually just signed up yesterday. So I'm scheduling a session with him next week. Now, going back, you had mentioned something about getting experience. Is that getting experience for that first job? Or what, what is that experience that these mentees are looking for? There are three categories of mentees that I have encountered so far. So the first one is that they studied well. They, they had good performance at school. They went to the job that they studied and trained for, but then they are in the job and one year, two years, they hate it. So now what do we do? So we need to help them understand themselves and help them transition. In this instances, the mentors that we recommend for them to start with are those who have experience in career coaching. So coaching and mentorship. It's the difference between coaching and mentoring. When you're coaching, you're asking the person to extract the best out of them. When you're mentoring, you're sharing your experience with them so that they can learn from the, they can get the nuggets of wisdom from your experiences and they can decide for themselves if it applies to them. So that's the first category is people who want to transition. The second category is people who are very sure that they want to be where they are and they have to plan progression of their career. They want to become better leaders and be recognized as leaders. So they're individual contributors, but 
they are just so passionate about what they're doing, they need uh, mentors to propel them to move forward. The third category is either a young entrepreneur uh, or somebody who really just want to do something, create something. And that has to be, a, that means establishing a business, right? Corollary to that, there is also like mid-career people that have realized that, okay, I'm good with what I do. I think I can create a business out of this, whether as a consultant or as an entrepreneur. Categorize those two situations in the same bucket because then we need mentors to help them with their visioning, goal setting, and how to establish. We need the network for them to be able to connect with people who have gone that route of creating a business. The mentees, when they're talking to you, when they're asking for the mentors, who they're going to pick, who's going to help them, what are the skills that they're lacking or skills that they're asking for from the mentors? Or when they come to you, what are they asking? Well, it varies. There are those that would like to focus on technical, but majority of our mentees have expressed that they need help in cross-functional skills or what I call human relationship skills. We also call, you know, traditionally we call that soft skills. But human relationship skills is what I can see that has the most need from our mentees. It's about communication. It's about trying to understand how to relate to other people, empathize with them, and then communicate your thoughts so that that conversation can be productive. So part of that also it has a lot to do with self-awareness. We have a mentor or a couple of mentors who are focusing on value development. Who are you? What are your values? And therefore, knowing yourself, you can create a path or envision a path that you would like to take in order for you to become happy and successful as a leader. When you're saying knowing yourself, I've noticed here in Silicon Valley, so many people are so accomplished. You know, PhDs from Berkeley, Stanford, and not only do they have a PhD, they have a PhD from one university and an MBA from the other one, mm. you know, so they can wear two hats, the game or, or whatever. But at the same time, some people seem very self-conscious about their achievement. Do you ever get those mentors that might have a feeling of imposter syndrome or entrepreneurs that have that imposter syndrome? Is that a problem in the mentoring circle or not? I think we all suffer some level of imposter syndrome from time to time. And the key is that we need to take a look and give fair credit to ourselves about what we have achieved in our life, whether it's our life or career. We have to look back, reflect, and then draw upon those experiences and skills in order to face whatever next challenge we have. To answer your question about do we have mentors and mentees suffering from imposter syndrome? Absolutely. We actually have one mentee who's originally from Iran and she did her PhD. She is a well sought out firmware scientist and she still doesn't feel like she deserved where she's supposed to be. And she's also thinking, oh, maybe I'm not speaking English very well or properly. I'm going to and... ask you about that in a second. <laughs> so hold that thought. Yeah. Please continue. Yeah. And we do have a lot of immigrants that are mentees, although we also have 
people who are who were born here. And yeah, I think that she needs to get over that imposter syndrome because she was put in that position because of her abilities and her background. Uh, and she has to overcome the conscious or the self-consciousness of speaking English, which I think what well, you're getting into. Well, let me ask into. you about that because <laughs> I've come across as well, personally, relations where someone is self-conscious that back in their home country, they would be at this level, but because their English is their second language, they're a little shy, self-conscious, they maybe won't push themselves out there to reach for that position that they really deserve, that they should have. And how, how often do people come to you and say, listen, English is my second language. So because of that, I can't be a CEO. I can't be C-level. I can't start my company. I can't do these things. And how important is proper English in Silicon Valley for our listeners that are global? I would say maybe 50% are that conscious about, because we are a very diverse community here in Silicon Valley, even though we have presence in 22 countries now, majority of our membership are here in the Valley. What I tell them or, you know, what I try to do to help them is that I try to connect them with mentors who will give them the support, the moral support about just looking at themselves, being able to recognize that, yes, indeed, they have achieved something that is worth being proud of and that whatever position that they are in now, that they deserve that position and that they could aim for more. And as far as English language in Silicon Valley is concerned, I think we are very accepting. What we tell our mentees is that it's not so much whether you're using English properly, but it's more about the structure of your communication. You know how it is when we were taught to write essays in school? You have the intro, you have the body, and you have the conclusion. It's actually the same thing when you're talking to people at work, right? So you have a problem to solve. You have several solution options that you'd like to present. And then you have the result that you either would like to push forward for or you've already achieved it. If you could communicate in that structure where it's making sense, I think people are very accepting in Silicon Valley to just catch what you mean, even though you're not speaking English perfectly. I would guess actually speaking it not proper actually makes you more American. But, <laughs> but with that, before going on, I want to hear at least one mentee story, maybe two if you have them. I'd like to find out a little bit more from example of you working with and your organization. First one that I could think of is, I'll call her Nimrit, and she is a graduate of accountancy. She got certified as a CPA, and then she joined a, one of the big four consulting firms. And after a number of years, like two or three years being in the firm, she realized that it's not the world for her. So remember the category that I mentioned earlier, right? So, so then she has to transition. She has to transition out of that and she, has, she had to understand what is it that she values. And we were able to help her. It, everything came out of her directly and we were just trying to guide her through the thought process. And she realized that she values a lot, that she is able to help people with disabilities. What she did, having realized that that makes her happy, what she did was she looked for jobs 
that had something to do with therapy of uh, people with disabilities. And she interviewed, you know, she was kind of also like dilly-dallying whether, oh, maybe I should just go ahead and do another accounting job and then do a, a startup on the side that will cater to people with disabilities. But then I asked her, can't you do both in terms of just keeping your focus on looking for work that has to do with your passion? And so she did that and she was able to find that work part-time. She made sure that she can do it part-time so that she has hours on the side to do her startup. And her startup is about producing clothing and footwear. So it's a clothing line and a footwear line using sustainable products for people with disabilities. So she's living that right now as we speak. And the other one is actually Ken came to us uh, through the recommendation of one of our partners, uh, Silicon Valley Engineering Leadership Community. You know her, Kimberly Whiffling, gets to announce the partnership that we're doing so that we can manage the mentoring program for them. And so Kent came to us and he is in transition mode. He has been doing post-sales operations, maintaining products, and he wanted to do something that will allow him to get exposure on creating products. So we were able to pair him with one of our mentors, Hong. It went very well. I think, in the, if I'm not mistaken, within a month or two, he was able to get the work that he wanted around program management, uh, project management for developing a product, creating a product. And, and he's continuing that mentoring relationship with, with Hong. And, and I think he's doing very well. And then on the mentor side, are they doing it, goodness of their heart? What's their feedback? Tell us a story about them. And then I want to find out about this global expansion. How have you actually reached 22 countries in such a short time? I would like to do it as a group because some mentors that come to us, oh, well, by the way, all mentors are volunteering. They are doing this out of the goodness of their heart. When I connect with potential mentors, I always tell them that, look, I tell them my story. And, and then I tell them, that, look, you know, I'm looking for people with the same heart of giving back. All I'm looking for, for uh, as far as mentors are concerned is that, number one, they have high self-esteem. Number two, they're happy and successful in their own terms, not other people's standards. Could I ask why those two things? Because when you meet with your mentees, they can know right away if you're in a good place. And if you're not in a good place, that would be discouraging. They have to have both. And there are some mentors that when they signed up, yeah, yeah, go, let's go, let's do it. And then, of course, life changes, right? So, and they would say, you know, I'm not in a good place right now. Let me pause my, my commitment to the mentoring club and I'll come back another time. We go through life changes, so that's fine. And then the third aspect that I look for in a mentor is that they're ready to give back. They're not getting paid, and the reward that they have for doing this is to see progress in their mentees. Okay, now I have to ask. This is a very young nonprofit, mm -hmm. but early you said six continents, 22 countries. Many startups, many organizations have a lot of difficulty even expand into a city over and set up a second location. How have you been able to do kind of this global expansion? 
So that's where the creative problem solver <laughs> and information technologist comes in. When I was setting up the mentoring club, the vision is really that we connect people globally. And therefore, what better way to do that than through a platform approach to mentoring? And then the, the next challenge is marketing. How do we get the word out there? I wasn't very concerned about growing fast because it's, you know, as a nonprofit, even when I started it in 2016, I, I had to keep my full-time job and I was doing it on the side. I was doing some validation of my ideas about, is this really needed globally, right? So, and then the first year was just focus groups. And then the second year was just trial mentor mentee, connecting mentors from Canada, Australia, India, the Bay Area with mentees here in the Bay Area. And then 2018 was when we launched the platform. And that was when I started fundraising as a nonprofit. And the rest of the work that we have done is a lot of word of mouth in Silicon Valley. Globally, it is a combination of word of mouth because I have friends in Europe, in Asia, and also social media marketing, online digital marketing, pretty much. I have been hearing like one of I remember if it was the mentor from Saudi Arabia or if it's the mentee from India told me, oh, I found you in a blog. You were part of the resources article in the blog. And I said, can you forward me the blog so that I know how we're getting exposure out there? So, so it's really exciting and amazing how we're doing it without much paid marketing. I've been very fortunate to have dedicated volunteers who believe in the vision, and they're just helping out selflessly. Do you have any advice for our listeners out there on no one wants something is scalable and no one kind of the speed or if it's going to break or not? When we talk about scaling and, and actually, Sean, honestly, that is what keeps me up at night <laughs> because now, okay, now we have commitments in Europe and in, in Asia and in Africa, we're starting to have some mentees in Africa and I would really like to be very helpful to that area because we all know they have a hard time um, out there. That's what's keeping me up at night, the challenge of fundraising. How um, technologically and operationally, my experience of over 30 years gives me the confidence that I can execute. I have the vision and I can execute, but the resources on you know, of funds, just getting it there. I guess that's every entrepreneur's <laughs> dream is to have enough funds to just execute on the vision. Well, I have a question there with this vision, with, with the growth. And I mean, even well, well-funded you know, Fortune 100s, Fortune 500s, these companies with almost unlimited resources, they have problems with communicating from department from department in different countries or even you know West mm -hmm. Coast, East Coast. How are you managing it, communicating cross borders with almost nothing? The secret would be, I would guess, <laughs> is that you have to be able to invite or attract people to your community who believe in the key purpose of what you're doing. Like, for example, if we're able to attract mentors that believe in giving back and that find joy and they find joy in just seeing people progress as 
effective, happy, and successful leaders. If we're able to get to that culture of having a common purpose and then building up that culture such that communication becomes one of the key values within the organization. I think communication is where a lot of the successes come from, and that's where a lot of the breakdowns come from as well. In the mentoring club, we try to make sure that people understand the values that we would like to see in the community as we grow. We have core values, the three of them, trust, leadership, and community. We call those umbrella values. Under trust, we have integrity, honesty, commitment. Under leadership, we have vision and execution. And under community, we have humanity, contentment, and family. If people are coming into the organization embracing those values and developing the culture that resonates around those values, I think communication could be much, much improved because we are looking in the same direction and applying the same principles on how to get to that direction. We may think differently and we should be thinking differently. We should be challenging each other so that we can find the best solution. I think core values, if you have that in an organization, that will allow for a more effective communication wherever you are in the world. There was one value that you said that actually stuck out to me, which I don't think I've heard really any place else. You mentioned family. How did family end up as a core value? So when I was looking at the balance of life, we talk about work-life balance. I'm one of those who would like to look at it as work-life integration or just life, pretty much. There's just one life. It's composed of work, family, friends, leisure, whatever. So the reason why I put family there is I believe that when we have the people that we love and who love us close to us, supporting us, whether we're successful or not successful, that is the support system that keeps us appreciative of what we have. Without that, and family doesn't really just mean blood relations, right? To me, family is anybody who love you and support you for what you're doing and they understand your dreams and they're, they're supporting you for that. That's how I would define what family is in that context. And right now your organization puts on weekly events online on all different types of topics. Can you tell us some of the, the topics and some of the maybe aha moments or some things that have been talked about that have really made an impression upon you? Absolutely. So we do have events. We have Mentoring Matters talks on a monthly basis where we talk about, we feature our mentors and expert speakers around leadership, communications, emotional intelligence, personal branding, networking, and such topics, leadership topics. We also have, we just started maybe three months ago, the Clubhouse events. And this is in partnership with your club, Silicon Valley Startups Club on Clubhouse. <laughs> so quick plug there. It was really eye-opening for me how in those conversations in Clubhouse, we can tackle topics where what comes out in terms of lessons being learned is that Anywhere we are, or the people there are global, 
anywhere in the world, there is a common resonance of what does it mean to become a leader and what does it mean to become successful as a leader and what is the difference between several cultures, but at the same time, looking at it from a lens that, oh, yes, that's common. That's common to all of us. Like, you know, just being kind and honest and having the integrity. Those conversations come out in those clubhouse sessions. So it's been very fruitful so far. We actually was, we were able to sign up one mentor from clubhouse. He's from Tokyo, Japan. Japan. We have uh, a few people who are interested from India as well. Nobody has signed up yet from Clubhouse from India, but we are doing some messaging on Instagram. So that's the second one. And then in person, if you're in the Bay Area, we do hold mentors and leaders hikes. And this is an opportunity for mentors and mentees to just chat while walking. But the chat is serious chat about their what are, whatever their challenges are. And then we sometimes we just do group think of uh, group thinking of what is the problem of the mentee. And then we try to give some inputs throughout the walk. Sometimes it will be one on one and then we switch partners so that the mentees have the, the ability to get to know the mentors more. The big one, last but not the least. Big event <laughs> coming up. Tell everyone. Yes. So the big one that's actually going on right now is our Give Back Lead Forward virtual run, walk, bike, fundraiser. The pandemic gave us a good idea of what kind of event to put up uh, last year for fundraising. So we, we did it last year and we said, oh, that's great. You know, we don't have to organize too much because, you know, physically, location wise, because we want people anywhere in the world to actually do the run, walk or bike. But at the same time, we're raising funds. We want to be able to raise at least $200,000 this year. This fundraiser is one of those ways that we're raising funds. And what are we going to use the $200,000 for? That will allow us to initially hire uh, one or two people to help with execution of the things that we've already lined up, community building. Of course, the infrastructure as we grow, uh, we're, we're using Salesforce as our platform. I want to make a joke there, okay. but uh, I don't think it's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> but Lisa, with okay. that, any last words? I mean, we're about out of time. We got to wrap up. But if anyone wants to get a hold of you, find out more about the Mentoring Club, what's the best way to go about doing that? Well, they can reach out to me directly. So my email is lisel. That's L-I-E-S-E-L at thementoringclub.org. And they can go to our website as well. We have presence in several social media channels. We have presence on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And then you can find our YouTube channel as well where we record most of the events that we have done in the past uh, year or so. And for our listeners, this episode right here is actually being recorded. The video, I would guess, would be on YouTube. And for everyone else, the links for this episode, please check out thesiliconvalleypodcast.com. I want to thank Sapiens again for hosting this live recording in their facility. And for people out there, I have to give a shameless plug. My nine to five or more nine to nine is at a mid-market investment bank. My contact information is on the website for the podcast as well. Please reach out to me if you are looking for any any assistance. And with that, 
Lisa, I have to thank you one more time for your time today on the Silicon Valley podcast. Thank you too, Sean. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Silicon Valley podcast. To access our resources, visit us at thesiliconvalleypodcast.com and follow our host on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Sean Flynn SV. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decisions, consult a professional.